0: Welcome to Pouring Over Pages, a podcast of words and wine. I'm Alexa. And I'm Maritza. Time to get lit on literature. Yay! Yay! Boo! Boo! <gasps> <laughs> this
1: is our spooky season episode. And we do one every year. This is our third one. Oh my God, that's crazy! Which is super crazy. And the first one that we did was Leave the World Behind, which was more like suspense mystery unknown is it the apocalypse like it was just a lot of questions and then we did more like the witchy stuff practical magic that was fun so we thought for this one we wouldn't go full horror yet maybe we'll save that for next year but for now we want to do a classic classic multiple point of view murder mystery suspense
0: it was good i liked it and it works i'm i'm very big on spooky season and this checked the boxes for me
1: yeah, I'm not big on spooky season, but I love me a good thriller or a good suspense novel. Like yeah. something that I don't want to read at night. Mm-hmm. People don't believe this. Like people who don't read don't believe this. But if you're reading a spooky book at night, like you're gonna get freaked out. It's not just when you're watching a movie. Yeah, like yeah. I wholeheartedly believe this. No,
0: for sure. You're like looking over your shoulder, holding the book. You hear like one noise,
1: and you're like, "Oh my
0: god, they're coming to get me!" <laughs> what is that creak? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! And this one, of course, was set in Paris, Yay. which we both our loved. favorite. We love
1: Paris, so we thought, why not? And for those of you who. Haven't figured it out yet, this is The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. And Lucy Foley is known for her suspense thriller novels. Um, She wrote The Guest List, some of you might be more familiar with that. I think that was like her first big hit. But The Paris Apartment is one of the more, uh, it's one of the newer books Mm -hmm. um, that she's done. And we just thought it it would be fun because not only is it suspense, but also Paris. Mm -hmm. We wanted to kind of imagine Paris in that spooky way. So it was a fun kind of escapist novel for me, even though yeah, it was a little a little scary at times.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And since I just went to Paris this summer for for the first time, I was very excited. And then I recently went to Bordeaux on a on a press trip there. And there is a connection in the book with wine country in Paris. So I thought it would be very appropriate to bring one of my wines for my travels, and we are sipping on Chateau Del Sec Margot, 2019. Um, I actually went to the Chateau and had a fantastic time, so we'll chat about that later.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to hear about that. I mean, Bordeaux, obviously known for its wine, but was perfectly linked with the book too. Mm-hmm. So that that was just like your trip couldn't have come at a better no, right? <laughs> at a better time <laughs> to record this episode uh, and for you to come back with a bottle. But this was a I I think this was a pretty easy one for you to pair, which so is nice easy. because sometimes that's not the case. No, yeah, if you're sometimes doing a I'm, lot
0: of research. Yeah, a lot of research and reaching, but this yeah. fell into my lap.
1: Yeah, this was one of the easier ones. But I I guess I'll start by asking just generally, how did you feel about the book? Did you like it overall?
0: Yes, I loved the book. I feel like I read the book pretty quickly. Um, It kept me on my toes and I kept wanting to finish it. I, I remember just being like watching TV with Sean and being like reading next to him because I just wanted to know how it ended.
1: 100%. I think that's one of the things that I like about suspense novels is that they force you to keep turning the page like mm-hmm. you 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 don't have a choice like unless you're falling asleep or you're about to join a meeting you're like I just got to keep going with this and and so I agree I thought it was I thought it was really fun I appreciated some of the twists uh, we will cover that so spoilers here spoiler alert. spoilers here <laughs> uh, cuz I do think it's important to talk about those twists when it comes to these kinds of books like you just can't yeah. avoid them when you're talking about you know, how how much you enjoyed the plot, what was successful, what wasn't. But I guess I, I kind of want to start by talking about the multiple points of view yeah. because I sometimes get frustrated with multiple point of view mm-hmm. style books yeah. where, you know, each chapter is someone else's perspective. Sometimes it irks me a little bit or I get frustrated. But when it works, it works really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that for suspense, it's especially helpful because it adds confusion in the best way
0: yeah most definitely when when I do see the multiple points of view on the book at first I'm always like fuck I gotta take a note same I gotta take notes on who is who or else I'm gonna forget I think they had the right amount of people but also such drastically different people yeah that I was able to keep keep tabs on everyone and not be so like confused about it.
1: I agree. I think that that's what makes it successful. I'm reading a book right now that I read back when it came out in 2016 called The Power, mm. and it's also multiple point of views. But it's exactly to what you're saying. Each character is so unique and specific that you don't have to be like, wait, where did this leave off? You know, you, yeah. you're you're right back at their perspective. So I think it was interesting, and and the characters in this book are exaggerated, Super and I don't mean that in a bad way. They're just so 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 specific, and their point of view is so true
0: Mm -hmm. right like
1: you know that every single person who's narrating believes what they're telling you oh for sure the reader right and i thought that that's one of the things that made the book the most successful i appreciated that they struggled with their interpretations of what was happening Mm -hmm. that they struggled with welcoming this person into the home right so for those of you who haven't read the book this is the story of Jess, right? Jess is our yeah. main character and she's from the UK. She's got into some trouble, so she heads to Paris, where her brother Ben is living. And she tells him, Hey, I'm coming, you know, doesn't give him too much of a warning. And Ben says, Okay, cool, see you soon. So she gets off the train, calls him, all this stuff, and Ben is nowhere to be found. But the very first scene in the book is Ben and Ben is at home mm-hmm. and we know that someone comes into the apartment he says what the fuck <laughs> and then you don't hear from Ben again right no. so we ben so is we gone. know yeah we know something sinister happened for sure because that first scene is pretty creepy but then it turns out that Jen makes it to the building. The building's got a weird air about it. It's got a bad vibe. Super. As Gen Z would say, bad vibes. <laughs> bad
0: vibes. This building is sus.
1: It is sus, <laughs> and we're probably not even using that correctly, but I probably don't not. care. Probably not. It's
0: fine. Um, <laughs> we're elders now. We're
1: elders now. We're millennials. We we have earned the right to go to an insane concert. You know, like, that's where we're at. So, so these people that are his neighbors are also extremely suspicious and Super. weird. And the first twist is we find out that all these people who live in this building are a family. They're related. You were fucking shocked. You texted me. I was so I had, shocked. I had already finished the so book like, like a week before or two weeks before or something. So I had let it sit. And suddenly Alexa's like, oh my God, they're a family
0: on WhatsApp. And I was like, oh, there it is. She's She's going through the emotions. I was so shocked because the way that they're presented... They seem so disjointed, so couldn't give a fuck less about each other. Like they're all just separately living their lives in different apartments, but just find out that they're all part of this weird fucked up family. It was sh- shocking.
1: It was shocking and I guess later it made sense that they had that disjointed yeah, air yeah, about yeah. them, but at the beginning you like you are shocked. Yeah. And what's funny too is that you see the weirdness in these characters from the beginning except for Nick. Mm -hmm. Nick is one of the neighbors that's—he's the one that's friends with Ben and invited Ben to come and live in this building, to rent an apartment, an empty apartment in this building. Little did Ben know, I guess, that he was going to live with Nick's entire family, (laughs) entire (laughs) weird-ass fucking family. So that was, I think, a very shocking moment because as a reader— You want to like Nick.
0: Yeah, Nick seems very likable, very, like, the most level-headed compared to the rest of the family. He seems like just some dude taking some time off from bad investments in Silicon Valley, and he's just trying to get his life on track. Nothing nothing flying, you know. Nothing crazy, you know, no
1: major red flags, I guess. And then the other neighbor's Antoine, and he's the drunk asshole who treats his wife like shit. Yeah. And they end up getting a divorce, but he's just hostile. He's yes. angry. He's very mean to Jess when she first shows up to the building in the middle of the night. Doesn't lo- doesn't let her in, um, and you can tell that he's he's got his own things going on. Right? Yeah. And then Sophie is the mom, and Sophie is your stereotypical Parisian rich lady, yeah. right? Penthouse living, uh, immaculately fancy, dressed, Hermes wearing, yes, immaculately dressed. French lady with a bob. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> you know? So you don't suspect anything from her other than probably being a little conniving. Yeah. Right?
0: Exactly. Like, I didn't think much. Yeah, yeah. Nothing more than the housewives would do. You exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, exactly. Very sneaky, sneaky, but not... Disrespectful, nothing. Yeah, nothing, nothing too bad. And then we have Mimi, the daughter, who... Fucking weird. <laughs> She's a weirdo.
1: Fucking weird. She's so weird. She gave me bad vibes.
0: I'm not gonna say who she reminded me of, but you will know who she reminded me of the person that used to work for me. 100%. (laughs) Are you gonna laugh when I tell you that
1: That that's that's who who I was imagining? The whole time? The whole fucking time. I was like, I pictured that person. My God. I was like, I thought I got rid of her already. Oh my god, they always come back. Oh my god,
0: they come back in some form. That's
1: what's like. That's what's annoying about when you're when you're reading because you're you're hallucinating. Yeah. When you're reading, you're making up what people look like in your mm-hmm. head, and sometimes it's people that you know. They just <laughs> if they have the same name or you know same personality, yeah. you're like, same oh, it looks like this person. <laughs> so I was definitely picturing her, which made it easier for me to be like, well, <laughs> fuck Mimi, I don't give a shit what happens to her. But it was. She was weird, but like like you said, this family is disjointed, Mm -hmm. and they're strange. And Jess picks up on the fact that something is is going on. There's no question about that. And as readers, we know it too, Mm -hmm. and we want to kind of yell at Jess because we know things that she doesn't, right, in that multiple point of view. But we're forgetting one character that is so epic – And so important, and that's the concierge.
0: Oh, yes. She is Mm. wild. She's like the eyes and ears of the apartment building. She is me. Yeah.
1: I see and hear everything, which is my best and worst quality. (laughs) And apparently the concierge is too. So she's she's probably, like, disjointed is the right word about the family, but even with her. Like, she's so mm-hmm. disjointed from them. Yeah. She's not to be heard or even to really be seen, right? She's just there to make sure that the building is running smoothly. She has a particular set of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. She lives in a tiny little hut in the courtyard area. It's so weird and classist. It's so classist. Like, it's so bizarre. It's so crazy. And it does remind me of my years of living in Paris yeah, yeah. was it that bad that it's like a little tiny <laughs> hut in a courtyard with no. low ceilings they normally live on lie. the first floor <laughs> you know like it's not supposed to be this bad but it was exactly that in the book like you can tell that they make the effort to
0: make her feel smaller yes exactly that's exactly what it is
1: and when Ben comes into the picture from what we start to learn through the concierge is that Ben saw her right mm-hmm. like really saw her for who she was and and was kind to her, and brought her a fan or something as a gift, right? So it's like, she felt like there was finally a tenant in the building that saw her for who she was and who respected her. And so that became somewhat of a threat to the rest of the family. And ultimately what we find out when we get to is the big nightclub plot twist. Mm What did you think about that? I... At first thought it was a little forced, and then I was like, wait, no, like, I'm cool with it. Like, I I didn't know how I felt about it. It felt
0: thrown at me really fast. It felt very strange. So this nightclub plot twist, Ben, Ben apparently is, like, investigating the family sneakily because he's a journalist and he kind of wants a big break into the investigative journalism world. So he's investigating them because, just like us, something's off. Right. So... He ends up going to the nightclub and learning that the husband, who we haven't mentioned yet because he doesn't, Jacques, Jacques, because he doesn't really have a much of a role here, so we think. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has this nightclub and he also has a, a chateau and a winery where he sells really fucked-on expensive wine. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to put the pieces together, and what he finds at the club is that. It is actually a a sex trafficking ring through right. wine bottle sales.
1: Right, like if I were to say Alexa, I want this Chardonnay, uh-huh. you would say, okay, cool, wink, wink, and the Chardonnay is actually a Russian girl. It's a Russian girl, a Russian girl. <laughs> yeah. Like. like it's it's. Like, do you remember the Wayfair? Um, yes, yes. <laughs> the conspiracy theory about Back Wayfair the a pandemic. couple of years ago, and, yes. and like people believed it. I was like, guys. This is some QAnon
0: shit. They're like, why is this cabinet set? Ten grand. It should be no more than $500. They must be trafficking girls through it.
1: (laughs) I'm like, have you ever walked into a Louis Vuitton? Like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, my God. So it was was basically that. that. It was basically that. It was basically that. So you choose a specific wine, and that wine is actually representative of one of the girls. And they take these girls really, really young. And, of course, these are girls that, you know, they are either immigrants Mm -hmm. or they don't have any other ways out. Yeah. Um they're not able to move forward in life. They don't have resources, right? So they they took their passports. Mm-hmm. They can't flee, right? So th- it's extremely problematic. And yeah. so Ben starts to sniff some of this out and understands that something yeah. pretty bad is going on and when he starts to get a little close that's I, when he disappears. He
0: disappears out of thin air. I the the trafficking thing, at first, I too was kind of like, "Whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, like was where'd like, what? this come from? What's
1: what's what?" what? what? Well, what? Didn't, I was like, "Why couldn't someone have just killed Ben?"
0: Yeah, like, why? Are, like, why are we doing this? Exactly. Like, this is a whole nother layer. And and I and I guess like at the end of it, I'm like, "Yeah, it makes sense because like how else do people make their money? Like like that kind of money. It ha- right. it always stems from like something dirty."
1: It always stems from exploitation.
0: Yes, exactly. No matter
1: what it is, even if it's legal. Yes. You think of Amazon. Mm Mm-hmm. The only way that someone can become as rich as Jeff Bezos is because you're exploiting your workforce. You don't become a billionaire on your own. No, you don't. So. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. That's all I have to say about that. But you're right; like you don't make that kind of fucking money. No. Without there being some sort of exploitation, right? This family's paint. I mean, they live in this gorgeous massive, full the whole building is massive. their house, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. not an apartment. It's not a penthouse apartment. It's the whole the fucking whole building. building, right? In central Paris, or sort of like right gorgeous, by Pigalle. Gorgeous, ritzy. But you like, know, that's the part that I missed because ah. Pigalle is an area that's known for the sex shops oh. and for prostitution historically. So I was like, okay, fine. Like, they live close to Pigalle, which can be, there parts of it that are really beautiful. At the end of the day, you are in central Paris. Yeah. But I was like, oh, there are stones throw away from Pigalle. I was, after the fact, I was like, how did I not catch that you they totally live close to Pigalle because, hello, sex that's what happens. You know, like, <laughs> that's what she was implying. That's what the oh author was implying. God. So I thought that was really funny. I was like, how did I not catch that? It's been too long since I went to Paris, probably. But that was an interesting way, I think, for the author to make that connection, that sex trafficking connection, to kind of throw the hint at you really early on. Yeah. I thought that was really clever. But as, as characters, they all kind of also lead you mm-hmm. to where, where Ben went in, yeah. in, in the sense of, like, the investigation, the human trafficking. Like, they are not keeping secrets from you as no. the reader. no. And so I felt like I was gently pushed in that direction. I think that maybe that's why I was a little bit like whoa, 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 with the human trafficking thing because that didn't feel like it got the warning that everything
0: else did. Yeah, everything else, yeah, did. Everything else was at very least full that's of how warning. I felt. Yeah. Another thing that I was kind of taken aback by was how obsessed everyone was with Ben. Yeah. Every family member, every person has their own like weird. Obsession, obsession or, like, fantasy with... Like, it was just, like, gross, and I don't understand it.
1: Yeah, I was like, girl, like, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Everybody. It was it was very strange, and with the concierge, that's the one that made the most sense to me. Yes, same. Because, as we said, this is a, a working-class person who is not treated with the dignity and respect, right, that she deserves, and so he comes in as just, like, this normal guy and provides some of that... That view, right? Yeah, like She so, almost so forgets, attention,
0: like, human connection, what that even feels exactly. like. Exactly. So.
1: And what I thought was really good, though, what made me feel more like, oh, okay, the human trafficking thing makes sense, was once we hear the concierge's story, Yeah. and we find out that she's really there working as the concierge because her daughter mm-hmm. was one of those girls. Yeah. And she died in childbirth.
0: Childbirth, yeah, exactly. Because she got pregnant. She got pregnant because they don't necessarily use condoms, and they don't... They rape women. They, they rape women there. Yeah, basically. And then once you get pregnant, they kind of hush hush things. And in yep. this one in particular, was a very hush hush.
1: This one was crazy. Hush, and hush. I have to say that my favorite plot twist. And like, if you guys are still with us, and that means that you really
0: read. You this either and, read the book yeah. or you don't
1: give a shit, which both of them are cool with me. <laughs> but my favorite plot twist was finding out that Mimi. Is the concierge's
0: granddaughter. I know. That was crazy.
1: And so it turns out that Mimi, the person that we think is Sophie, the rich lady's daughter, yeah. is actually her adopted daughter. Mm-hmm. That she adopted this little girl after the concierge's daughter died in childbirth. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no wonder this woman has been here for so long. She's watching over her granddaughter. So yeah. things do start to make sense. And I actually felt really good about the plot, and I felt yeah. that it, it all came together really nicely. I just think that there were certain parts, that announcement of the human trafficking, the going to the club, little moments that I just thought were a little bit rushed, and this is not a short book. Like, no. I think the author had the luxury of developing some of these scenes a little bit more, and for me, the biggest issue was the ending.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ending was a little unbelievable. Rushed. <laughs> and rushed. So rushed,
1: and also... <laughs> I want to know more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to know more. What was Ben going to do? Because mm-hmm. we do find Ben. Yeah, we do we find, find him eventually. We find him. And I have to say, the most unrealistic thing about this whole book is that we found him alive. Alive. Because <laughs> after what they did
0: to him. <laughs> we found it. They, we find him in the attic alive. In the
1: fucking Shram de Bun, which is like the fucking little like maid's quarters that are all the way up. They have the best view, but they're a tiny little room. So he's been locked in there the whole
0: time. Beat to shit. Beat to shit. Like barely alive. It's like infection, concussions. You're not eating. You're not eating. You're eating scraps here. Like what, what? But also what was the family planning on doing with him?
1: It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. That was the part that I was like, um, guys, or Lucy, Lucy Foley. Yeah.
0: Um, question for you: What was your plan? What 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 did you think was going to happen?
1: Yeah, that That's where I kind of lost it a little bit. But I think that the, the ending could have been fixed if we had had more, time with Ben. Yeah. And understanding what happened, hearing his side of the story, you can do that in a few pages. No, for I'm not sure. Not asking for a lot. Not a lot. But I think Ben could have. There could have been a scene where Ben was talking to Jess and be like, oh, you're not going to believe like what I went through. Because we really only hear it from Sophie, yeah. who's responsible
0: exactly. for everything that
1: happens. But one easy way to just make the ending feel less rushed, give us more of an explanation, is have Ben tell us.
0: Yeah, because isn't pages. that who we? Isn't that who we've
1: been wanting to hear from the whole exactly. time? Exactly,
0: the whole time it's all about Ben. Everything's about Ben, but we never see Ben or text us. I became obsessed it. with Ben
1: just like everybody else. I'm like, what the fuck, Ben? Because I wanted to know what the fuck Ben was experiencing, where the fuck Ben was, and I what was, was happening. I
0: remember I texted you. I'm like, he's in the garden bed. I know it. You're
1: like, he's dead. I know he's in there. He's moist <laughs> soil. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone else is in there. I was like, yeah, for sure. Oh my god, totally agree. Keep reading. I don't want to tell you because it's no, so you can't. You good. can't. It's
0: such a. It's. I was just like, go. Oh, what the fuck?
1: What the fuck? I was shocked. I was, I was super shocked. shocked. <laughs> so there's like this weird scene like halfway through the book mm-hmm. where we find out that Sophie is gardening. Right, yes. she loves gardening. Gardening. And there was some like moist. S- uh, soil. soil that had
0: just been turned, or something, mm-hmm. like and we you know, could smell it.
1: We know that there was a body at one point. At one point, yeah,
0: and then Ben's missing. And
1: Ben's missing, so we're all just like, okay, well,
0: he's clearly Ben
1: is clearly in under the, the azaleas or, yeah, or something. Like, <laughs> turns out,
0: it's Jacques. Jacques, the husband who we haven't spoken about this entire. Time. He's
1: such, he's such a like inconsequential character. Yeah. Except for the fact that he is the person responsible for the entire sex trafficking ring. Oh, yeah. And then ends up, the justice is that he's the one that ends up getting killed, right? Like, that's the interpretation of justice, I guess. And the other thing that we need to know about Jacques is that he met Sophie because she was one of those girls at the nightclub. Mm -hmm. Sophie becomes a completely different person. With the Bob, with the Hermes, you know she like you said, she's, she erases her past and her previous identity, and she 's threatened throughout mm-hmm. the book, and we don't know who's threatening her mm-hmm. to find out uh, or, or this person is threatening to tell the world you know who she really is, so that also makes us think that it's Ben, yeah, totally, but I
0: never thought it was Ben. neither did I I was like it's someone else it's too easy it's too easy it's too easy of a a thing and then later on we find that she's having like an affair with Ben right and it's
1: so disturbing
0: such a disturbing so bizarre so weird
1: and and then things start to make sense where you're like oh okay once there's an affair you can understand where these crazy jealous murdery you know that's the 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 only way yeah that's the only way to start thinking about Sophie as a character yeah but I think overall, the book was successful and entertaining. It's not a perfect book, it's not perfect in its development, but it's entertaining, it's yeah. fun, it's suspenseful, it's a, suspenseful. Good, read. It's it's a fun. good read, it's the perfect thing if you're like out you know, in, in a log cabin for a weekend and you're trying mm-hmm. to creep yourself out a little bit. But I thought it was really enjoyable and I do like that Paris feels like the backdrop. Yeah. And the author did a good job of that. Like the way she described the building, mm-hmm. it made me remember the buildings that I lived in when I lived in Paris that you live in these buildings where, you know, there's no elevator, you're walking up to your fourth floor, you know, a little apartment yeah. and your neighbors are, you know, it's, it's two people per floor. Uh-huh, yeah. And you're just you're just I was just imagining, especially my first apartment in Paris on Avenue Clebert, I was like, that's exactly what that fucking building was like, you know? A little courtyard with the concierge there on the first floor. So, so I do think it's 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 done well. I think it's obvious that the author knows Paris; that she incorporated it almost as a character. So, if you're someone who's also wanting to read something with a with a Parisian backdrop, but something's a little bit different than your usual, mm-hmm. you know, this is a really good read.
0: No, agreed. And if you like suspense, if you like housewives, if you like reality kind of gives me gossipy vibes, murder, murder, mystery. <laughs> All the things of above. Um, Yeah, this is definitely the book for you, especially in the spooky season.
1: I agree, I very much enjoyed it, and I think that I'll be picking up another Lucy Foley book in the future. I'm excited to see what she comes up with next. But what I'm even more excited about is drinking our wine. Yes, which we actually haven't wine. been sipping on, like we normally have it in hand and whatever. And I actually. We're in a bit of a time crunch there we today. Go. So yeah, we're like. I have book club right after ironically this. Ironically, <laughs> I have book club after this. <laughs> I have book club after this. I run the Pam book club. So very important.
0: Yes, very important. I would join book club if it wasn't for the fact that I need to read a book a month in this podcast.
1: That's that's something I want people to appreciate about me. I read a podcast. I, I read a podcast. <laughs> I read a book for this podcast. I read a book for book club. And I read a book for just myself for me to for post fun. on Instagram. And I read for my exhibitions. Yeah. That's all I do. Anyway, don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Bell. I am, you are Belle. and I have a thing for like ladders and libraries. You know, it's just so me,
0: so you. Oh, well, I'm so excited uh, to taste this wine with you. As I mentioned, this is Chateau Yassac, Cru from Margot, 2019. In the book, um, the husband Jacques, uh, his last name is Mounier. And as we know, um, Meunier, Pinot Meunier, is a grape that's basically grown in Burgundy in France. So I thought, how fitting. That was it,
1: also a cool hint.
0: That was such a hint. I yeah. mean, we're not drinking Burgundy because I think it's easier to get to Bordeaux from Paris and yeah. stuff. I, and I felt like it's just more, I don't know, it just felt more like him, more strong and masculine and, like, scary and stuff. So, and and I went to Bordeaux. I didn't go to Burgundy. So that's what we're going with. That's it. That's it right there. That's all we need (laughs) to know. (laughs) Yeah, so in the book, the husband, Jacques, inherits a wine estate um, when his first wife became ill and passed away. So Sophie in the book is his second wife. Mm -hmm. So there's issues with the two sons in between her. We always sense this tension because essentially, like, she replaced their mom and she's kind of the whore from the club to replace my mom. Right. So in their eyes, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like that. So they never really said where the wine was located, but Bordeaux is a short train ride away from Paris, and I was just there. So that's what we're doing. Perfect.
1: Something quintessentially French. Exactly.
0: So for those of you who aren't as familiar with Bordeaux, it's in France, and it's world famous for its age-worthy dry red wine, some of which are the most expensive wines in the world. It's one of France's largest wine-producing regions and is divided into 38 sub-regions with 57 in different appellations, so they get nitty gritty with terroir, and you know, so it's really insane how micro they get there. Grapes have been grown in Bordeaux for almost two thousand years, and there's—I know—it's wild That's history, crazy, insane. And when it comes to Bordeaux, there's like a couple of things that you definitely need to know. I would say that one, Bordeaux has a maritime warm climate, and it's cut in half by the Gironde. Estuary, Beautiful. estuary, where the Dogdonia and Garonne, Garon, <laughs> Garonne, Garonne rivers meet. <laughs> and that's why you'll often hear about left bank and right bank Bordeaux. And this not only designates where the vineyard sits in relation to the river, but what's really important about relation to the river is what soil is underneath the ground there. So the left bank, you'll find there's more gravel, and the right bank has more clay and limestone, which has an influence on which grapes can be grown in which bank. So in the left bank, you'll find more Cabernet Sauvignon blends. In the right bank, you'll find more, more low blends. So there's like a few grapes that are grown in each, but that's, I would say, the biggest, designation between the two.
1: And great connection to Paris too, because you could divide Paris by left and right bank.
0: I there you go. <laughs> so I really did well. You did. <laughs> I did well. Perfect. And Margot, where this wine is from, is the most inland appellation of the Médoc on the left bank of Bordeaux, and has the thinnest gravel soils, making them the most penetrable by vine roots. And sometimes these roots go down over twenty-three feet for water. And and the more the roots struggle, the better the wine is. <laughs> I guess like the more we struggle, ain't that a the fucking stronger metaphor. we no. are? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. And this winery in particular is fucking stunning. The property had a facelift in the 80s. So so basically, Philip Raul... Uh, acquired the property in 1986 and made crazy renovations to the chateau, completely modernized the winery. The chateau looks like a fucking castle, but you go inside and it's modern as fuck. It's like all these straight lines and and, like all these big windows and light. And he has art everywhere. Oh, my God. Super cool.
1: Dreamy.
0: Yeah. And then the winery itself, he had a ton of work to do. He basically started with three hectares of vineyards, an abandoned cellar, and a chateau that looked like a chicken coop. So he had to put people to work and do all the renovations. So he reconstructed the 112 hectares of vineyard to revive the quality of the wine, which was a big deal because then his vines got uh, partly promoted to the Margot appellation, 54 hectares of those wines, and then to other crew status. So Philip is also an art lover, which speaks to us on Absolutely. a personal level. And what I found super stunning when we were driving through the property was that you will find art sculptures everywhere. In the vines, in the road, in the forest, in front of the house, like everywhere. In the cellar. That's amazing. There's art. And I was told that he basically every year buys a nice piece of art for the property. And that's part of his love. Like art and the vines and the winemaking, it's all like intertwined.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. I'll post some of the the photos that I took and you guys could see it on the Instagram because it's, it's gorgeous and you deserve to see it and experience it with us. 100%. So this wine that we're sipping on today, the blend is 72% Cabernet Sauvignon and 28% Merlot. And when you think of Bordeaux, usually think of like aging wine. I would decant this wine a little. I mean, it's been decanting in our glass for a while now, Mm -hmm. so it should be fine. And we're recording this on a short time, so I'm like, we're going to do it. But also, luckily for us, the wines of Margot are typically like less powerful than their Bordeaux counterparts. So... Um, They're more refined and elegant, so we can drink this young. I mean, it is age-worthy, and we could tuck it away for years and years and years. But fuck it. YOLO. Life is short. Every day is a
1: special occasion, right? Exactly. We've talked about that. And that's something that, like, right now that you just said, that it's majority Cabernet Sauvignon. That was a little bit surprising to me Uh because as, as someone who... When I go to a wine shop, mm-hmm. I see Cabernet Sauvignon. I just avoid it you because I always just assume it's going to be too big for me. Yeah. So that's actually really interesting. This is, I think, something that appeals to that group of people who want something like you said, a little more fine, a little, a little more soft, but still
0: has
1: has that kind of classic. Yeah, like a note. structure. Yeah. And, yeah like really interesting. Really interesting.
0: So let's taste the wine. Hmm.
1: I'm getting like dark, like like berries. Yeah,
0: definitely, lots of berries—red berries, blackberries, black berries, mm-hmm. blueberries. There's like a little floral note in there, like a tiny kind of earthy but floral, like a perfume, but ever so slightly, like a violet or something. And I don't
1: have like vocabulary for it, but some sort of like rock.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no like, for sure. Like something like some sort from of the slate. earth, like yes. slate or stone or yes. There's also
1: like. You d- I do pick up on that yeah. a little bit. Underneath all that berry, yeah. underneath
0: all the red fruit. There's also like a tea, like a tea-like. Yes. Like some green on the nose. Yes. Like some sort of slight green. Not like not like super bell pepper, but there's some sort of green. A tea bag of some sort. Yes. No, it
1: almost has like a black tea. Yeah. it's Yeah, it's very interesting. So And the more I smell it, the more I pick up on something
0: else. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like you get the same kind of like crunchy black fruits and berries and like dark fruits in here. 100%.
1: That's the first thing I taste. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of
0: like black forest. Yeah. Black forest, black currant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A little bit of red fruit. I think there's like nice acid to it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: The tannins are there. Yeah. There's definitely tannins there but they're not like they're softer. They're not, like, drying my yeah. teeth to death. I, I feel it like,
1: a little bit, like, on the tongue, and then yeah. it goes away. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's not overpowering at all. Yeah, they're
0: very subtle. And then it has, like, a nice lingering aftertaste, like, the it last long.
1: No, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, but this is good. I think, too, like, if we were to be able to sit here for a while and decant it more, it will evolve more and become yeah. even more, like, refined and finessed and not necessarily as bold right now because I think we are drinking it young, so maybe if it's, like, left out a little more, it won't. Like, some of that power will be reduced a bit. But it's not. But it's not. I was going to like,
1: even then, like, this is something really drinkable for me. Mm-hmm. And I think I normally steer clear of the things that are really, really, really bold yeah. or, or, you know, like I said, that, that Cabernet Sauvignon stereotype. Like, I'm for the sure. first one to fall for it. So this one, I think, even if we were to kind of leave it out, it would soften up. I'm actually really happy with how it is now. Yeah. And I think it appeals sure. to like a very broad swath of the amateur wine drinking population.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not going to be a hit or miss at a dinner party. No, I think it's a pretty solid choice, actually.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you could tell the, the oak aging. I forget if it's new oak or old oak. They tend to use old oak um, here, I think. But definitely I think that has like smoothed it out a bit too, which is nice. And I would totally pair this with like a steak or lamb yes. or you know, something nice and meaty. Even though, even though I'm trying to remember what we paired this with. Because I did drink this with the, the technical team there. Oh no, 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 no. I drank this out of tasting. I'm thinking of somewhere else. But but given the the tasting I did elsewhere, we actually drank Bordeaux, like red Bordeaux mm-hmm. with fish octopus. Interesting. It was the most bizarre thing and it wasn't so, it wasn't appalling. I was just like, oh, okay. And that was kind of like to prove that there is freshness and you can drink this young. You don't always have to wait for a special occasion. You don't, because when people think Bordeaux, they're like, oh, I have to age it for at least 10 more years. And then you're like, eightieth birthday. you're drinking for like 10 years from now, you like, no, you could drink it now. So I think this wine also exhibits that freshness that we could drink it young.
1: So is the the lesson, buy two bottles, drink one now,
0: drink one in 10 years? Yes! (laughs) That is always the lesson. Major key. (laughs) Yes. That is the lesson. That's the way to do it. Uh, So I'm really glad I was able to go and bring this wine. And it's really, like, this is a great deal online. I saw it around $35. Oh, wow. So it's a great value. I I know people will think, oh, Bordeaux is so expensive. All the wine is expensive. But this one's $35. $35. And
1: it's, delicious, easy. I'm really enjoying it and I and like I said, I always I always bring up the dinner party thing because yeah. I think that that's what a lot of people are looking for, right? Yeah. Like what do I buy for myself or for my friends or for a dinner party yeah. that I know will be generally a hit if you want to do the whole like do you want red or white right? yeah yeah exactly. like I think this is this is one of those you know and Most that's definitely. that's an important thing to think of because not every wine is for every occasion mm-hmm. but when you want to appeal to a broad group of people don't think you could go wrong with this no, to be perfectly honest
0: at all and i think too that this would be a um great food wine too cuz you know some wines are like oh this is good on its own oh no this i think this one could be good on its own but i think it would be even better with, with food with food yeah
1: i agree well, it's a good thing we're not finishing this bottle.
0: No, no. I used my Coravin for this one because <laughs> we have other things to do. The book club. <laughs> Coravin sponsor, Alexa. I know. Please give me more. I want, <laughs> I want to try the sparkling Coravin. Someone. Oh, my God. That yeah. must be so yes, fucking helpful. They have a sparkling wine Coravin.
1: Well, ever since coming back from Italy, mm-hmm. we're drinking a lot of Aperol spritzes at Ooh, my place. Oh fun. Oh, the Prosecco. And the Prosecco is what always ruins it yeah. for us, you know? So we're like, well, I guess we have to drink the whole bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> oh, can't let it stay in the
0: fridge. It'll You're going to
1: ruin it anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't that always the solution, though? Always.
1: Always. always, always I condone that behavior.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us on our Spooky Season episode. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. Give us all the stars. Give us all the reviews. Just say how much you love us, really. Uh, If you want some sweet merch, head over to our Etsy shop. We got totes, bags. Totes and bags are the same thing. So we got totes, shirts, sweaters. Notebooks, water bottles. (laughs) Mugs. Mask, if you still wear one. If you still wear masks. Because, you know... Uh, We are in spooky season, but Christmas season is coming. Holiday season is coming around, so make sure to start your shopping early. Go over to our Instagram page. Like us at Pouring Over Pages Podcast. Follow us. um, Go to our newsletter. Sign up to get all of the latest news on us. And until next time. cheers. Cheers.